Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian. This is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I am joined by Jeff Barrett from Geocon. Jeff, how are you today? Doing well. How are you, Brian? Yeah, really well, really well. You know, it, we're we're recording this during the pandemic, but it kind of seems like we're maybe in the final stages of it. I know we've got different uh, mutations of the thing popping up all over, but it seems to me like it's in its last stages anyway hopefully the pandemic hasn't negatively affected you or your family or your work too much and not really a whole lot but i agree with you it seems like we're getting to the end of this and uh i noticed a lot of people are traveling around again so that's that's pretty exciting and uh, happy to be getting back to business as usual yeah exactly exactly jeff where are you physically right now uh, right now, I'm in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Oh, okay. Okay. Very nice. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your education, career? Yeah, sure thing. So, um, you know, I grew up in uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick here, um, you know, born in, and raised locally. Uh, went to University of New Brunswick, did a civil engineering degree. Uh, once I finished that degree, you know, really wasn't ready to uh, get into the workforce. There wasn't any jobs available that really excited me. So I, I stayed in university and did a master's in uh, geotechnical engineering mm-hmm. and uh, was able to uh, work for Jake's Whitford as a summer student and uh, do all the typical geotechnical grunt work in the lab and concrete testing and compaction testing. So that was a great experience. And then I joined them uh, full-time when I graduated. Um, I subsequently got purchased by Stantec and I stayed there for uh, just over 10 years. I uh, was able to gain incredible experience with the Stantec team working on um, mine tailings projects, mine closure projects, and some coal ash uh, work in the U.S. Okay, that's great. That's, that's really great. What what were some of your favorite subjects when you were getting your master's? Um, you know, really uh, gravitated towards uh, slope stability. Um, you know, I enjoyed using the various different software packages that were available. And um, a lot of my work at Stantec involved um, deformation monitoring using FLAC. Um, so that kind of tied in, tied in nicely there. And, uh, you know, that experience really, uh, helped me when I got into instrumentation kind of understanding how, uh, some of these, uh, dams and, uh, you know, tailings facilities behaved and, um, you know, how instrumentation can, can help monitor those, those movements. Yeah, and just going back to your early days uh, in the lab testing, that that gives a a engineer a really good start. I mean, you you can hardly judge, let's say, a proctor curve, unless you've done it and plotted it yourself. You can see some things that are 
maybe a little bit different, but it really does help you get that you get your feet on the ground to 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 do that kind of lab testing. And I think it really is beneficial. It's too bad that all uh, entry level geotechnical engineers can't have that kind of opportunity. Yeah, and I think I I really benefited from you know sort of working. In a relatively small company in a relatively small town so that I got exposure to a variety of different aspects um, you know even retaining walls and you know pavement design and you know whatever we were working on that month sort of get your hands dirty and um, you know get a nice variety of, of education growing up right yeah yeah that, that's terrific so Jeff when did you join Geocon? Um, so after I left Stantec, I got into um, instrumentation. I've been working primarily in instrumentation the last six years and uh, been with, with Geocon roughly a year now. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. So tell us about Geocon. I, <clears throat> I'm aware of their instrumentation, but maybe you could describe to the listeners what you offer. Sure. So Geocon's based in Lebanon, New Hampshire in the United States, of course. Uh, been in business almost 45 years and really the company was built um, around vibrating wire technology and you know they're very well known uh, in that technology and adapting that to uh, various different uh, instruments you know hundreds of different custom uh, instruments based on that same vibrating wire technology across many different applications mining and you know um, structural and geotechnical aspects as well. Um, more recently with the advancements in technologies, uh, Geocon's really built out their product line in um, you know, MEMS technology in particular for uh, tilt measurements, uh, in-place inclinometers and various other tilt products, as well as uh, wireless data acquisition. So, um, you know, the technology's really advanced in the last 10 years where, you know, previous to that, um, you know, every sensor could be, uh, you know, manufactured with vibrating wire. Um, you know, we've had to adapt to some of these, these new technologies to really, um, you know, maintain our product portfolio uh, to really give products that the, uh, the customer's looking for. Yeah, that, that's good. And and I know that you offer uh, telemetry and data management. Tell us about that. Sure. So, you know, we're really uh, a sensor company. So, you know, we offer, um, you know, like I said, a variety of sensors and, of course, data acquisition systems to read all of those sensors. And those range anywhere from, um, you know, a standalone system that will just record data at um, a prescribed interval to uh, systems that are connected through telemetry, whether radio or cellular, um, to a cloud data storage platform where the user can you know, manage their various um, data acquisition systems and um, you know, take that data and either view it in our software or really through our open API, view it in any other visualization software that, that they prefer to use. So, um, you know, while we do have some basic software, we're not a software company and we really, you know, leave it to the experts in software to, you know, develop these full-blown visualization uh, platforms and we're just happy to, 
you know, import our data into those platforms. Yeah, okay. No, I think telemetry is really important for a couple of reasons. One is safety. And I know that I've worked at mines before where uh, vibrating, wire, vibrating wire housing has become in a, a, a rocky area and it's not very safe to, to uh, access and people twist their ankles and stuff like that. So that, that can be good for safety, but I've also seen on numerous occasions where somebody writing down the number has transcribed some of the numerals and it's right in the operations manual, you know, put this number in, make sure it makes some sense. And if it's you know different, then get a hold of the engineer and they forget that part. So they just write down the wrong number and it stays there until whenever I get their data. So that, that kind of takes out the middleman, so to speak. So we don't have those transcription errors and we'll get much uh, more reliable data that way. Yes, that's that's a really good point. And the other thing that, um, you know, these wireless data acquisition systems have really um, allowed for is the frequency of readings that are collected. So, um, you know, I remember as a summer student uh, reading manual inclinometers and I would take, you know, one reading a week or maybe two readings a week. And, you know, it was a three hour drive to the site and you spend all day read three, three inclinometers. Yeah. Um, where now with the in-place inclinometer system and a, a wireless data logger, you can take readings every hour. And that really allows you to correlate, um, you know, movements with construction activity um, or, you know, maybe environmental, you know, factors as well, as opposed to just having that, you know, one data point for, for a week, right? All right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your in-place inclinometers. I think that's uh application that's going to be all over the world before we know it just like vibrating wire piezometers yes i mean really we're seeing inclinometers in general whether they're manually read or um you know in place inclinometers are installed in the casing really becoming a lot more popular um you know i think historically you would see a lot of vibrating wire piezometers in some of these tailings facilities, but not a lot of uh, inclinometers. Um, you know, I remember reading the uh, Samarco uh, panel report, and I think they maybe had six inclinometers at that site, and very little data was um, was really maintained. So, um, you know, I think the the industry has really um, you know come to appreciate what deformation data can uh, provide you in terms of insights the performance of your um, your dam uh, you know I really think the Canadian oil sands have embraced this I've worked with a number of um, projects up up in that area and you know they're really using deformation monitoring as part of their observational methods um, you know I really encourage people to look at how they how they use that data uh, but we're definitely seeing that kind of uh, trickle down into, uh, you know, some other, you know, non-oil sands uh, sites and, um, you know, across across the globe as well. Yeah, that's great. So I take it that the in-place inclinometers is an instrument that stays inside of the casing and is activated on whatever schedule. And so it, it uh, descends down the casing, taking 
readings every half meter or meter or is it continuous? So the in-place inclinometer, um, it's basically installed in a string. Um, okay. So each individual sensor can have a specified gauge length, you know, typically from half a meter up to perhaps three meters. And um, you can mix and match different gauge lengths in the same string if you prefer to sort of target a zone of movement with um, shorter gauge length um, instruments. But, um, you know, really you have a, you know, the big difference is you have a unique instrument uh, for each uh, reading point as opposed to using the same instrument that you traverse up and down uh, the inclinometer casing. So, you know, there's a number of advantages with that. Telemetry, as you mentioned, you're not actually, you know, putting this instrument up and down the casing, it, it stays in there. Yeah. Uh, the, the other major benefit to having a unique sensor for each um, reading location is that any sort of bias shift or um, potential sensor issues that you have you know won't get propagated throughout the entire reading set right if you're using a a manual inclinometer you've you've got that uh, same sensor being used to read every single point right so we we find it's uh you know much easier to interpret data when you're, you're looking at ipi data versus um you know some manual inclinometer data where you have you know a questionable sensor right okay so the in place inclinometer doesn't move it doesn't transit up and down it's stationary within the casing that's correct typically hangs from the top of the casing and um, you know you you would specify the locations of um, the individual ipi segments to target zones of, of influence where you would expect things to move perhaps and um, you know that allows you to take high frequency readings at um, at the locations that you're interested in getting data from. Okay. Do, do you find people putting these in in pairs so that they can have the in-place inclinometer and it might signal to somebody, hey, something's going on out there. Go out and do the manual inclinometer next to it and get, uh, you know, the readings every half a meter or, or whatever, get, get the full set of data? Or, or is that not necessary? Uh, it's it's typically not necessary. Um, you know, there are instances where, um, you know, if if you're trying to optimize uh, cost versus, um, you know, the amount of data you, you can collect that, you know, you may have an IPI string in, in one casing where there's some work being done and you're, you know, taking high frequency readings there. And then the construction activities move somewhere else. So you can pull that string out install it in a different casing and then manually read the casing that you just pulled the string out at a less frequent interval, right? So we, we see a lot of, um, you know, particular, you know, mining projects where, you know, construction is moving that, you know, you have an area that you might want to monitor for a few months during construction. Um, and then you can, you know, pull that automated system and move it somewhere else on the site, but still have your inclinometer casing there to take manual readings maybe once a week or once a month. Yeah, okay. I got gotcha. Okay. And how 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 are the sales of that? How is the implementation of those instruments? Is it uh, catching on? Is it gaining popularity? 
Yes, it, it really has. I mean, um, we released uh, the newest version of our in-place inclinometer, um, I guess, early last year, and um, saw a huge demand uh, for that product um, across a number of, of applications. You know, I think, you know, with the health and safety um, risk to some of these locations, as well as, you know, the cost of just, you know, labor and equipment to transport people around, um, you know, coupled with the lower cost of, of sensors and telemetry now is, is really, you know, driving people that maybe wouldn't normally have looked at an automated system to really, you know, consider it even from a cost point of view, not, you know, notwithstanding the um, additional frequency in which you can collect data. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Jeff, is there anything else exciting in the world of estimation that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, really, those those two aspects that that we mentioned early on around uh, technology uh, advancements in in MEMS and, and telemetry is is where we are focusing our efforts in new product development. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think with you know you see technology around uh, you know satellites and these low cost data plans for um, cellular coming to market, you know, those things will trickle down into our industry and we will be able to take advantage of those to, you know, really provide near real time data capture anywhere in the world, right? So that, that will be pretty exciting when, when that technology gets, um, you know, widely adopted in our industry. So doesn't matter where you are in the world, some remote mine site will be able to get you uh, real-time data uh, for your project. Yeah, interesting. So, so Jeff, as a geotechnical engineer working in an instrumentation company, have you ever had an occasion where your technical background has been beneficial to a client? And I, I, don't, I don't mean that, I mean, your advanced education, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, I mean, I think in, in general, the experience I was able to gain around the mining sector and, you know, my understanding of, um, you know, soil performance, soil structure interaction, deformation monitoring, um, you know, that's really helped, um, you know, with helping clients. Um, understand, uh, you know, what type of instrumentation they might want to install for their particular project. Uh, you know, we're, we're very careful that, you know, we are a manufacturer. We're, we're not, um, you know, a consultant that will, mm -hmm. you know, tell you what to install and where to put it. But, yeah. you know, have, we do have that understanding and can, you know, provide our, um, you know, general opinion on that. Uh, the, the other thing I spend a fair bit of my time doing is data, um, you know, I'm going to say interpretation, but really just under helping the client understand uh, what yeah. the center is telling them. Yeah. And, and then they can take that and, um, you know, apply it to their understanding of the structure and, and what the structure is doing. Right. Yeah. That it, it, it seems really beneficial to have somebody with your education and background with the instrumentation, because it, fills a gap that uh, otherwise it's a guy in a warehouse selling parts to somebody at the mine. 
right? That's right. And and that's really what I, I appreciate about the team that I work with at Geocon is, you know, there's a lot of depth on the bench when it comes to uh, technical background, um, you know, whether it's the sales team, support team, or the engineering team, you know, everybody has a pretty good understanding of, of the, the general industry, um, civil engineering, we'll call it. Uh, so you know, we, we find that really helps with um, gaining trust from our, our clients, right? Yeah, I can see where that really adds value. Yeah. So Jeff, we've, we've talked about quite a bit today. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I, I don't think so, Brian. Um, yeah. You know, as a, as a geotechnical engineer, I've, I've learned a lot more about uh, sensor technology and electrical things than I probably ever, uh, ever cared to know. But I, I, do, I do find it, uh, you know, very exciting. Um, you know, I really enjoy this, this uh, industry. And, you know, uh, you know what, what I really like doing is, you know, trying to solve a problem with maybe a sensor that's not readily available or so that somebody can buy off the shelf right so yeah uh, yeah a lot of custom sensor design and and that stuff's you know really really exciting so you know i've, I've really enjoyed the uh instrumentation sector as a whole okay great great yeah yeah so jeff we've uh, we've covered a lot of stuff today do, do you have any key takeaways of or pearls of wisdom that you could lay on us um, I, I guess just just one thing I'll I'll leave you with um, sort of around planning out an instrumentation and, and monitoring um, program for your particular site. Um, you know, specifically to tailings dams. You know, I've found a, a lot of people would come to me with questions around, well, this dam failed this way. Do you have a sensor that can detect that? Mm -hmm. And you know, what I would say is, you know, maybe step back and take a more holistic approach um, around how a particular dam might perform, um, generally not specifically to one failure mechanism, and make sure that you have enough instrumentation on that structure to pick up a variety of different uh, failure mechanisms or early warning signs, as opposed to just trying to pinpoint you know, maybe what the reason that the last tailing stand failed. So I, I think um, if I could, you know, leave the listeners with, uh, you know, something to think about as they're planning their instrumentation program, that that would be one that uh, that I would focus on. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's a very uh, good advice. You, you, it, it's a strange thing to say, but you never know how your tailings dam is going to fail. <laughs> so don't don't get locked in with one uh, concept of failure. That so I think that that speaks very loudly of of uh, just kind of casting the net a little bit broader and make sure that you can foresee whatever you can foresee with instrumentation. That's right, and I mean the goal is really to you know, provide the, the owner and engineer of record a general understanding of performance, right? And, and maybe not pick up a specific um, failure mechanism. You know, there's, there's multiple different technologies that can be used to kind of detect these things. And, um, you know, it's always kind of best to step back and take a more holistic approach. Yeah, good for you, good for you. Well, Jeff, I know you, you're busy, you're a busy guy and I, I don't want to keep you any longer, but I appreciate you spending some time with us and, one of the reasons I have this podcast is to make myself a little bit smarter. 
And in that regard, you've helped me today. So I'm, I thank you for that. Well, thank you, Brian. And I've uh, been following your podcast for the last few years and listened to uh, a number of episodes. So it was a pleasure to be on uh, with you today. Uh, no, the pleasure's all mine. And, and thank you again, Jeff. And hopefully we can catch up sometime when planes start flying a little bit more frequently. Yeah, sounds great. Hopefully see you at a conference in the near future. Yeah, perfect. Thanks again, Jeff, and have a nice day. Take care, Brian. Right, you too. Bye-bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.